Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. And welcome to this episode of Rescuing Churches. How's it going, guys? I am your host, your friendly neighborhood communications director, Josh Givens, joined as always by 614 Executive Director Stan Givens. Currently, Dad, currently Corona free. <laughs> Dad, thanks for being here. Well, Corona free. That's that's good news. And wow, what a that's, crazy. That's not a non alcoholic beer. <laughs> I just don't have the virus. What a crazy, crazy week it has been. He's just, yeah, he doesn't have the virus, which is a good thing. I mean, geez, it has been a completely crazy week, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. If you've been watching the news at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about. As we sit here recording this on a Sunday afternoon, we're still in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, which has, of course, been declared a national emergency by the president, with today also being declared a national day of prayer. And we observed that in our morning worship service here at Northside, and we decided to lift up those who've lost loved ones from the virus and those who are currently battling it. We were praying for wisdom and insight for the doctors, for the scientists, all the governmental health experts who are having to figure out how to combat this thing. As of right now, Sunday morning, at least 2,815 people in about 49 states, including Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, have tested positive for coronavirus in the U.S., according to a New York Times database, and at least 61 patients with the virus have died from COVID-19. According to the Centers for Disease Control and other health experts, most of the symptoms of COVID-19, which is the scientific term for the virus, will look like the common cold symptoms, such as fever, cough, shortness of breath, runny nose, diarrhea. So it's been a bit different from something like influenza, which would have more severe body aches and pains and things of that nature. The World Health Organization's China office says that it began receiving reports way back in late December of a mysterious virus behind a number of pneumonia cases in Wuhan. You guys probably heard about this in the news. That's a city in eastern China with a population of roughly 11 million people. So how is it transmitted? Well, according to the CDC, coronaviruses are common in camels, cattle, cats, and bats, but person-to-person transmissions are thought to occur when an infected person coughs or sneezes. It's very similar to how influenza and other respiratory pathogens spread. So how can you protect yourself? Well, unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot that you can do other than basic wellness practices. These are the things that you've heard repeated on news reports over and over again. The CDC right now is recommending that you wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds and try to avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with dirty hands. Avoid close contact with sick people. And if you are sick, you can protect others by staying home until you're well covering your nose and mouth, and keep all the objects and surfaces in your house or your workspace clean and disinfected. At this time, there's not a known vaccine to protect against coronavirus infections. But with that being said, officials from the National Institute of Health have confirmed this week that they're working on a vaccine 
to try to combat what they've seen in the China-linked coronavirus case. And Dad, I know that in the wake of this virus outbreak and all the anxiety and the fear and panic that's been stirred up, you've taken the time to put together some thoughts that you have titled Five Important Lessons Church Leaders Should Be Teaching About the Coronavirus Pandemic. And I want to go through each of these with you and kind of get a sense of what you mean by this and hopefully encourage some folks out there, some pastors and churches who are navigating these waters, because really this is the first time we've ever encountered some of this. Exactly. And let me just say, appreciate you catching up us, catching us up on the news and doing a real good job of that. I didn't realize the numbers of cases in America were as low as they were, because if you're watching the media, it's like a thousand people every city block are dying with this and have seems problems. a lot worse than it actually yeah. is. Yeah. And the numbers were a lot lower when you read them just right. Now. So exactly. I'm actually hopeful now. Right. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Sure. And lesson number one is it's always a good time to teach your church the importance of prayer. So tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. Well, of course, every time there's a major, especially an, a national or this is worldwide challenge um, our people should turn to prayer and we should be the place that prays hard um, we, we should encourage our church family to be praying very specifically about the the um, people that are sick about the people that have contracted this about the families of the ones that have lost loved ones we should be praying for the doctors and the chemists and the research people that are going to find the cure for this or at least a, a some, some way to relieve it, like the flu, so that it doesn't actually have the consequences. Um, we really should be a devoted praying church. And the Bible teaches very clearly that the church is meant to pray. In, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, it said, Paul says, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority in order that we may lead a tranquil life and a quiet life in all godliness and dignity, this is good and acceptable uh, in the sight of God our Savior. So I'm just saying, as a church, this is this is a call to prayer for us. When when the towers at nine one one fell and churches filled up for that next three months, oh yeah, all the churches were just packed. I remember, <laughs> you know, everybody wanted to pray. Yep. So it's not a bad time to pray. Right. And and uh, even even an unsaved person knows they need somebody to call out to now. This is that group of guys on the boat with Jonah that are calling out to their gods and oh, they're yeah. just wanting us to call out to our God. Exactly. We, we actually pray to the real one true living Jehovah God. So right. we can bring a hope to people that are hopeless if we just believe in our prayers well. So I Very think it's a good well time said. for us to pray. Very well said. And you have a note here that one of the things that we can pray for specifically is for protection for the safety of our church family, for the safety of our, our friends and, and our Correct. family. Correct. That's, that's a good reminder. Exactly. Um, lesson number two here that you have listed is this is a really good time to teach your church to be thankful and to rejoice. The Bible talks very specifically about thanksgiving and rejoicing as a means to deter anxiety. In Philippians, it's crystal clear um, that Paul wants us to be, a, while he's in jail, <laughs> Uh, he's writing to a church that's under tr in an area that's under tremendous persecution, um, so they can relate to the fears that we have. They were fear losing their life. It wasn't a virus that was going to kill them; it was a Roman sword, um, or a long prison stay that was going to kill them in a miserable prison cell. So, as 
New Testament Christians, there was always this threat of death. And in the midst of all that, Paul writes to the Philippians and says, rejoice, be joyful, and declare, rejoice, and rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Um, and then he says, let your requests be made known to God. That's our prayers. And he says, you want to turn all that anxiety over to the Lord. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and he will give us a peace that passes understanding and a peace to guard our hearts. I think Christian, this is a tremendous time in our country for our for Christians to set themselves apart from the panic of this pandemic, which just means a global disease. Right, right. It's right. not like the end of the world. It's a global disease. We, right. That word's scary, but it's yeah, not it's just a scary word. <laughs> but but we are the we are the people that can actually say we're not panicked over this because God's in charge, because we believe in the power of our prayers and we believe in the sovereignty and the wonder and the majesty and the grace of God. And so we don't actually have to live in this in this fearful place um, that the media and everybody else seems to be driving us to. Uh, we actually can have peace guard our hearts. That word in the New Testament in Philippians 4, uh, to guard your heart means to post a sentry, at, uh, like a Roman guard is Paul's wording. I mean, he's in a prison with a Roman guard right, all day long. Right. So, but he's saying the peace of God is the guard of your heart if you're praying with thanksgiving and with rejoicing. So I'm just saying this is a chance for us to shine. Go, this is how this looks. I completely you know? agree. And yeah. and and that's that's a great point. And it, it even echoes a lot of what's um, been going on behind the scenes with my connections in the comms world. Even just this morning, I before the service kicked off here at Northside, I hopped on Facebook just to kind of scroll through and see what everyone was saying. And it was just amazing how many people were echoing the same sentiment of if there was ever a time for the church to be the church, this is it. Today's it. Sure. Today's that sure. day. But you yourself have battled with your epilepsy, the anxiety. You have this. Oh, absolutely. The epilepsy draws you into these anxious, anxious moments, panic attacks. And, and it builds on it to, to the point that it creates seizures, which create more anxiety. Yeah. So you know what that snowball effect feels I, like to I get do. caught up in that loop of mm-hmm. panic. And, and you've had to learn, even through this passage we're talking about, yep. uh, you did Max Lucado's book yep. uh, called... Uh, it was Anxious for Nothing. Yeah, Anxious for Nothing. He did the C-A-R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. C-A-R-E, I think. Yep, yep. Um, He's really good with those acronyms. Right, right. <laughs> He's got a lot of acronyms yeah. in that book. <laughs> but I just remember you, you becoming very different with your anxiety after you let that scripture soak in. So I'm saying this is a chance for us to shine. It's a great chance for it's us to shine. It's a great opportunity. It really is. And the other thing, and I'll just point out here that it's just to kind of piggyback off of what you said, coming to a place where you can rejoice even in the midst of anxiety and panic is a really good thing for the I think for the church to get to and for Christians to get to. It's something that I've had to learn in my own personal life. Even if you're dealing with something that's hard and something that you're unsettled about or unsure of, if, if you can find something good going on in your life, and you can, it, it, it might not seem like you can, but you can stop and find the good things in your life and focus on those and thank God for those. Whatever the thing is that you are worrying about or scared of gets smaller. Right. So I think that's a really good lesson. Um, and, I, and I like that you pointed that out here. So lesson number three out of the five is that this is a good time to teach the church the importance of faith over fear. Yeah, as, as a body of Christ, we walk by faith. And fear is actually our enemy. Uh, Psalms teaches us 
what time I'm afraid, I will trust in God. It changes your fear into faith when you actually trust in Him. Isaiah 41 and 40, 41, and 42, the Lord says it multiple times, but 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am the I am with you. Do not be anxious and look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Um, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I just love the picture of Christ holding us with his hand. And Absolutely. he says that multiple times. Um, there's 365 do not fears, fear not, do not fears in the Bible. Um, 365 days in a year. Three, I think there's 366 do not fears in the Bible. So there's one extra one. Right. But Get a freebie. I, whatever the number is, it's real close to daily. <laughs> right. You could find one for every day. Right. And I, and I believe we're supposed to live by that. And it's very clear in the New Testament when the disciples are um, building the church Every minute that they're doing the work for God, they're in life-threatening situations. Every small group they have, every time they walk into a new town and step into the synagogue to proclaim the gospel, there's this life-threatening thing happening, and they walked by faith into that town, not by fear. They went straight in and did what they were called to do. So I think we mm-hmm. there's a chance for us to teach people that we, we can exercise faith over fear, and we don't have to live. That's good. That's solid. And and I, I like that you put that verse in there because uh, I remember that you mentioning even beforehand, before we started recording this particular episode, that you would have that verse in there, my little memory verse from childhood, a child, yeah. from a, yeah. being, being a kid. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Yeah. Thunderstorms used to drive you nuts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lesson number four, teach them the importance of body life. Teach your church the importance of body life. What exactly do you mean by that? And and first of all, define body life for me. That's that's it's kind good. of a kind yeah. of a term that it's the image in the New Testament where right. Christ says we're we're all parts of the body. He's the head, mm-hmm. and we're all parts of the body. Right. And it's the imagery that he's crystal clear. We all have certain he says some of you are like an elbow, some of you are like a knee, uh, some of you are like a there's just different parts of the body. Right, right. And the eye can't say to the hand, and and that kind of thing. So, um, and the foot's not more important. They're all important. And and the picture is that we are as as a unit. The local church is a body of Christ, and body life means we take care of each other. You know, I'm going to take care of the people in my sphere of influence mm-hmm. in my church. I'm going to check on them. I'm going to reach out to them if someone so, have special needs. So it's kind of it's kind of the we're all in this together mindset. Exactly. Exactly. And okay. that's that's really the unity that God asked us to have yep. in the church. Absolutely. So and, and the Acts chapter two church. You know, when somebody had a need, the church stepped in and went, "How can we all help make this work?" You know, who has one of those, or who can help with that, or how can we all get together and make that person's life tell better? Me, tell me some practical um, steps that you would say, especially right now in the midst of this coronavirus. Ep- panic that a pastor could take speak specifically to the the pastors of small churches but pastors in general that they could take to when they're paying attention to the people in their sunday school classes especially if they've got the elderly in their church and things of that nature what are some practical things they could do to reach out to those people call them Mm -hmm. call them read the scriptures that we've been talking about about fear and anxiety right call them to distract them from their television right right you know if an elderly person that's afraid of this uh, is sitting at home just watching consuming the news yeah some cnn or fox feed there i mean you might as well just you know right right order the coffin today right. kind of thing, what they're <laughs> sounding like so you know i would say get them distracted by the truth bring the truth to them right you know uh if they'll let you visit which i think you should visit in their home 
you know, and, say, hey, I don't have it, so I'm going to come over. And we're going to. I've got a great, you know, video. And while you're there, DVD. Yeah. And while you're there, check on their supplies. Check on what they need. Yeah. Right. If they're afraid to go out, if they need a grocery store run or yeah, something go, like that. Yeah. Go to the grocery store and pray you can find toilet paper. Yeah. So, all that kind of stuff, yeah. which won't be easy right now. No. So, lesson number five: Teach them the importance of living above the cultural fears. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's kind of a summary of everything we've been talking about. But as Christians, we aren't earthly people. Mm-hmm. This is not our home. Uh, my citizenship is in heaven. Um, I am laying up treasures in heaven. Right. My my life is in in Christ in heaven, and this is all temporary. Um, mm-hmm. Paul actually That's calls good. his life, he's a tent maker, so it's interesting, but he calls his life a tent. You know, and he says, when this tent collapses, I've got this eternal home that I'm going to go to. Um, so my future's clear. My life's not my own. My death is a beginning, not an end. So I don't have to live in fear of that. You know, first Corinthians 15, Paul says, Oh, death, where's your sting? The, the worst thing that can happen to us is us die. And if you're a Christian, you know, Paul says in Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right. You know, it's like express lane to Jesus. Yep. Here we go. Yep. So, so we, we actually are really able to live a healthy spiritual life in front of the people with, around us now, not wrapped up in the cultural fears. And we can live above the culture and teach people that you don't have to let the culture control you, especially in your emotions and your fears, but even in your choices and your values. Um, I believe that, you know, it's important that our media tell us exactly what's going on. I appreciate the fact that we have so much of that now. And of course, the internet's just gone crazy as well, which we wouldn't have had in years past. So, but we also need to remember that we're children of the eternal king. We are children. If you're a true follower of Christ, you're children of the eternal king. I can exercise faith over fear. Um, I can live um, and still have tons to rejoice about in the worst of situations. I can be thankful so I get a peace that passes understanding and guards my heart. Um, and I have the privilege to enter the throne room of the eternal king and ask for help. We can run boldly into the throne room of grace and ask for help, Hebrews says, where we'll see, receive grace and mercy and help in our time of need. And so I just believe that a Christian should uh, seek to model peace and joy through this time as a witness to our world. And I do believe it's, it's some of your uh, friends were saying online today, it's one of our greatest times really is. that we can, we can model, you know, an ev- evidence of a different, I live at a different level not bound by culture, not even bound by tragedy of our culture or our world, I am in a different plane. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope a lot of people that were on social media were able to experience that and see that non-believers, especially because as, uh, as, uh, as one of my comms buddies pointed out, I think Christians broke the internet today because there was so much online church and there were, there were some sections of Facebook servers that probably even had a hard time handling all of the online feeds with smaller churches that don't even normally stream. We're streaming today. So (laughs) I think, and I get that we, we met as a church and I believe we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves whenever we can. We encourage people that weren't feeling well to stay home. We had yep. a lot of fist bumping and elbow yep. bumping. That some of the old guys I didn't even know knew how to fist bump or fist bumping today. Was that was fine? They might have they might have been googling how to fist how bump, to fist bump, getting ready right. for church yeah, on, their, on their new smartphones. So <laughs> That's which awesome. is fine, which is fine. But That's I do awesome. want to say because we're in the deep south, uh, good old boy country that. Uh, T- drinking lime doesn't help your coronavirus. So yeah, well, it's not the cure. <laughs> so just want to make sure. 
that our good old boys know that. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to remember that. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. And as always, we really appreciate any thoughts or feedback that you have about the show. You can still reach out to us on any of our social media platforms at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at 614Rebuild. You can also call us directly at 601-909-0614 and leave us a voicemail. We listen to all of those voicemails, and we might even include yours in an upcoming episode. So be sure to reach out to us and stay tuned for our next one.